we taking a shot up in the tailgate yep. lot yep. with a stadium view. Woo! What a great spot. Damn it, I've been waiting all week. Counting down the days till I'm back in my seat. Till I'm back in my seat. Back on the boulevard Thursday, March 23rd. As always, here to prove to you, there is no such thing as football season. Past the halfway point, we've handed out our Freshie Awards. Wanted to say thank you to all the players who shared our content. Interacting you has been awesome throughout the last couple days. Your friends and family sharing things, sending us positive messages. You're the ones we give a platform to. You give a platform to us. It works both ways. It's incredible. Uh, the engagement we got. So thank you to all the XFL players and coaches and directors of player personnel and staff for sharing our stuff. We'll run it back in the postseason. We'll have uh, some different categories. And we did have physical awards to give out for you guys. Unfortunately, uh, Mikey Manziel flew Spirit Airlines again, and they misplaced his luggage. So maybe a couple more months on those physical awards. Get it together, Mike. Come on. These players need to be honored. So what do we got tonight? A five-week drive to the XFL playoffs. Four teams in the playoff, about five or six, I'd say, jockeying for position. Currently on the outside looking in, the Seattle Sea Dragons. But how long will that be the case? Well, let's ask the producer, director, and owner of the humble abode we call Studio Z, Chris Zook, your Seattle Dragons with three in a row now. Can they keep it rolling right into the XFL playoffs? I know we were discussing our championship game plans, and you seem pretty confident that the Dragons are going to be in San Antonio. I did say that. Which is laughable to me. You have to go through D.C. Come on now. Get out of here. It's coming. Well, I told you last week that I thought they were going to make a playoff run, and it's here. I mean, St. Louis may be falling off a little bit. You get a bye week with Orlando. Yeah, coming up here. Well, let's not call it a buy, but if Seattle gets the four and two, St. Louis might be the same. We're going to preview all the games for you tonight. It's going to be interesting in this loaded XFL North. My prediction is going to remain that the third place team in the North is going to have a better record than Arlington to finish the season. We'll tell you why here coming up. On tonight's show, the St. Louis Battlehawks looking to bounce back after DC invaded the Dome. How are they going to show that there's still a playoff team in St. Louis? They'll be taking on the Vipers, a little bit of a trap spot. Some of you have been telling me the Vipers hitting their stride at the right time. And of course, the big one, Monday night football in the district, one versus two. This will be a preview of the XFL championship game. So enjoy it the first time around. You might see a couple of things that you'll save for May when you think about these two teams. No, the Seattle Dragons will not be there in San Antonio. This will be the title preview, so enjoy it, folks. We'll break it down for you. Rough offensive showing for the Houston Roughnecks in Seattle. How will they bounce back off all that extra rest? And speaking of the defenders, the offensive line just not getting enough credit, so we decided to talk to their anchor. Liam Ryan will join us on Spring Ball Series tonight, talking paving the way for the top rushing attack in the league by almost double the second-place team. We'll cap things off with our Boulevard Best Bets. Got to stay away from the totals. Uh, This show will become a soccer show before I bet a total again. It's been miserable with the over-unders. We apologize if you were tailing us. We're sticking to the sides where we're 10 of 15 on those bets. We're going to keep going with what works here, and we got some more winners on the boulevard for you tonight. 
Make sure to drop us a like, subscribe to the channel if you're enjoying our content. The Freshie Awards was a big hit. Thank you guys again for engaging with our content there. And you only got five weeks left for our PS5 Pick'em. The link is in the description. If you go four for four, you have a chance to get an entry for a PS5. We'll give that away in May. I think we have 25 to 30 entries already. Doesn't matter if you already did the four for four, you can do it again as many times as you want. One per week, but as many times the rest of the season. Link in the description for that. That will lock Saturday at 1 p.m. at kickoff. Taking a look at our XFL standings, the D.C. Defenders 5-0, first place in the XFL North, and Houston in the South 4-1. The Roughnecks and the Defenders playing this week. That's why I'm saying it'll be a title preview. St. Louis and Seattle deadlocked in the North at 3-2. Now remember, St. Louis beat the Dragons in Week 2, so they will have a chance there as the Dragons keep on winning. Who's going to you know, take that second place in the North? In the South, obviously, the Arlington Renegades at 3-2. and two. They've taken a two-game lead in the XFL South, and the San Antonio Brahmas at 1-4 and four will have a chance to gain some ground in that rematch. Vipers and Guardians in last place in their respective divisions. Now let's talk about the games this week, jumping right into things with the Seattle Sea Dragons and the Orlando Guardians. For the first time since that Battle Hawks Brahmas thriller in Week 1, we finally get an XFL game on ABC again. It's been too long. I know the league has been moving some things around, trying to upgrade games from FX to ESPN2 and ESPN, but we will get an ABC game. You know what that means? Our highest-rated game of the season, potentially. I know we have college basketball going on. We're in the heart of March Madness with the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. This will be a chance for the XFL to do some numbers rating-wise. And we get a pretty solid game here. Uh, you know, 1 p.m. kick, Camping World Stadium. Temps in the low 90s expected at kick, but that's just right for Jim Hazlitt's red-hot Sea Dragons. Winners of three straight looking to make it a fourth. Looking at that Seattle offense against the Orlando defense. Let's find you the edge. June Jones looking to overcome that turnover bug. Three interceptions for Ben DiNucci last week. They actually had a total of four turnovers. They added a fumble in there. Juice Ellison was just banged up. They threw him in late in the third quarter. Just didn't look 100%. He is out for this matchup. We figured that out right before the show tonight. Juice Ellison rolled out with a knee. So you're going to get a heavy dose of Darius Bradwell, who is actually, I believe, the only active running back on the roster now. So that's going to be tough with Brendan Knox on the IR, Ellison missing it. Danucci's going to have to throw this thing a lot, especially if he's in a situation where the rush is not working. So what do we know about Seattle's offense? Um, you could tell that Ben Danucci is getting a little bit more comfortable, right? Still struggling with the turnovers, but we're seeing him get outside the pocket and scramble. And he, he doesn't get enough credit. I wouldn't call him a, a true dual threat. He needs to learn how to slide because he's taken a couple brutal hits so far and Seattle does not have a solid option at backup. So he needs to learn to slide. Otherwise, his rushing threat could be a difference in this game, especially considering Orlando surrendered 269 through the air to Luis Perez. So the pass game will be just fine for the Dragons. That Guardians pass D has now given up over 1,000 yards on the season. That's 207 yards per game, which again, you're talking about Terrell Buckley here, former stud defensive back in the NFL. His DC, Tony Carter, was also a corner in the NFL. 
So this can't be acceptable for them. Pass defense has to get stronger. There's a lot of shifting around personnel-wise going on in that unit. They have yet to find the right mix. But it can't fall all on those guys. you got to get a better pass rush on Danucci. They have failed to do so this season. They have to make him uncomfortable. And if they have any chance of f- pulling the upset, you're going to see some sacks. You're going to have to get pressure on Danucci. Like I said, you got to give some flowers to Damian Willis, the Seattle wide receiver this week. Five catches, 61 yards, and a nice touchdown catch against Houston. These different receivers keep stepping up. It's like a different one every week. We saw the Pearson game, Gordon game, Jackson game. We've seen Willis in there. Who am I missing? I mean, we saw Jawan Green show out, and the tight end was playing well. So next man up in the Seattle pass game, Damian Willis was that guy last week. It does not matter where you sit on the depth chart. You will get an opportunity with the volume of this pass offense. I could see Danucci going for 350 and four scores here. Obviously, every week I'm going to give the edge to this Seattle offense when it comes to those matchups. Flipping sides of the ball, Orlando offense, Seattle defense. Quentin Dormady getting the start this week for the Guardians. What a show he put on Saturday night in Vegas. 22 of 25, 256 yards and two scores. He didn't even start the game. In fact, I think he came in late first quarter. He would have started the game. They would have had a chance. It came down to that three-point conversion at the end of the game was no good. but. Dormady had a couple more series. They may have had a chance to pull off their first win. Uh, a lot of nonsense, guys, that he went through to get back on the field, and he is showing out. Of course, Vegas did not have the strongest pass defense, so Dormady's going to face a bigger challenge here. Remember, the Seattle pass D was tough against Houston. They blanked Houston through 56 minutes or 58 minutes, a ball game, so they're, they're shutting them down. I think What did Houston do in their drive chart? They had punt, punt, fumble, punt in the first half. A.J. Smith was throwing fits. And again, this was a very successful Houston pass attack up to that point. So what is Seattle doing? What are they changing? What is Ron Zook doing to combat these these pass-heavy attacks? And Orlando is going to throw another one of them at you with Cody Latimer. Comes down to Chris Payton-Jones, Bryce Thompson. Antoine Brooks, we saw Quinterio Cole starting to show out in that Seattle secondary, all stepping up in huge ways. They were making open field tackles, and that was not the case in week one against D.C. We saw guys getting run over for Seattle. Clearly, that was a point of emphasis in Ron Zook's defensive meetings. They've corrected it. Not a lot of guys getting through in open space in that Houston-Seattle game Thursday night. You also in the front seven have Tuzar Skipper, Sharif Miller, Emmanuel Smith, All a nightmare for Quentin Dormady, especially for an Orlando pass protection that has been very fair weather. The pick is Seattle here, Zook, and I think they're going to win comfortably. I could see a two to three score win. The Dragons are rolling at the right time, and Orlando is going to get torched through the air. Danucci, we saw what he did against Vegas. I think he had 380 passing yards and four TDs. I think he tops it on Saturday in Orlando. It's going to be hot, though. Guys will be cramping up, which you know a couple things about. Mm. Who's the pick, Zook? Surprise us all. Wow, you're picking your team against the worst team in the league. Wow. Shocker there. Mikey Manziel going to make it three for three. Orlando on the money line, if you want to take a chance here, plus 320. 
Would anybody be out of their mind for taking that? Any value on nine and a half, maybe? You took Orlando there, to cover last week. There's value at nine and a half. There's wow. not value on Coming from line. a Dragons fan, too. The, uh, I'm more confident in your team this week than you are. How, how dare you, Zook? Listen, that's I just, got him by three touchdowns. That's a true fan being scared. That's all that is. Well, you did go through some hell the first two weeks of the season, so I don't blame you. Seattle has to avoid an upset. They cannot lose this game. They're, they're firing away at the right time. you got an inexperienced staff against an experienced staff. I think Seattle is going to cover comfortably here. Moving on to our Saturday nightcap, the St. Louis Battlehawks and the Vegas Vipers. Battlehawks, again, looking to bounce back after getting swept by D.C. Guys, we can't really call it a rivalry if it's that one-sided. Just saying. No room for error anymore for the Battlehawks when it comes to the playoff race. They got Seattle nipping at their heels. We just went over that. The good news. Jared Jones-Smith, starting left tackle, back off the suspension. Feels like forever ago that D.C. and St. Louis got in that brawl postgame. But some guys had to serve two-game suspensions. Jared Jones-Smith was one of them. He'll be back. The bad news, Vegas has Jeff Bidette, our Freshie Award for Most Exciting Player at the Midseason. Not going to be fun covering him, especially with three starters in the secondary listed on the injury report this week. I know St. Louis has a good pass defense, but they're they're banged up back there. Ben DeLuca will be out. I think Mike Hampton was questionable. Got some injuries. So I did see an Instagram story from Jeff Bidette the other day uh, sharing Luis Perez stat line, which was incredible. I think he was 20 for 28 for 269 and two scores, no picks the other night. Jeff Bidette shared that stat line and captioned it, my QB1. So we're not going to paint this as him throwing shade at Brett Hundley. We're just going to watch our week one film, watch our week five film. Clearly, Perez loves Bidette. That's his favorite guy. When Hundley was in there, we saw a little bit more Martavis Bryant, Geronimo Allison. Obviously, the two were Packers together. And with Perez, it seems like more uh, Sin Q Sweeting and Jeff Bidette. So I understand, you know, receivers have to play favorites sometimes, but... Looks like Perez will be the starter going forward. Uh, That Orlando game was the first time that the Vipers didn't have to deal with driving rains or heavy wind gusts, which was a great point that social media director Dylan Mooney made to us. I didn't realize that throughout the whole season, Vegas was just dealing with terrible weather. Uh, They didn't have that, and they they got their first win. Still got to be able to run the ball, though. Rod Smith did go for 62 and two scores on the ground. So that run game does... Take a little bit of a step forward heading into week six. We saw St. Louis get gashed by Abram Smith. That rush defense has not been very good. Certainly holes for the Vipers to exploit there. Got to feed John Lovett, guys. Whether it's in the run game or the pass game, he's been that Swiss Army knife. Fun fact on John Lovett, the former Baylor Bear and Penn State Nittany Lion, leading all running backs in the XFL in receiving yards. He has 162. Just for perspective. That's more than Austin Prohl and Martavis Bryant, actual receivers. John Lovett, 24.3 yards per catch. Phenomenal. Got to get him the ball. But the big stat for Vegas last week, zero sacks allowed. That was the first time they had done that all season. Again, showing you the St. Louis defense. Been great against the pass, not good against the run. Given up a lot of points so far. So what can Vegas do here to get the edge? Well, Viper faithful remember how close that opener was in Arlington. They ultimately lost that game because of the inability to protect Luis Perez. I know he made some ill-advised throws in that game, but one of them that went to a pick six late in that game 
was because he had pressure in his face. They have got to hold up along that offensive front. Playmakers all over the place in Vegas. Remember, Jeff Bidette, Sin-Q Sweeting, Luis Perez has a swagger bag. You got John Lovett, Torrey, all these guys are capable of making plays on the edge. Even throw in Brian and Allison and the tight ends have been great. John Price. So last in the league in sacks. Who do you think that is? The St. Louis Battlehawks. Only five sacks this season. Donnie Abraham's unit has to get a better pressure on Luis Perez. Silas Kelly, his linebacker, is banged up for this one. We'll have to check the status on him. Doesn't look like he's going to play Saturday night. And again, some injuries in the secondary as well. Other side of the ball. This is where St. Louis, I would say, has a pretty big edge. Quentin Dormady made that Vegas secondary look silly the other night. We heard Rod Woodson make a comment at the end of that game. We have to get a first down. We cannot put our defense back out there, which makes me wonder. Dwayne Taylor fired, remember, after I think the Vegas Vipers had the fifth total offense in the league. There were definitely worse offenses and coordinators like in Arlington and San Antonio that were able to hold on to their jobs for longer than Dwayne Taylor. And again, maybe it was more than just what Rod Woodson was looking at on the field product. There could have been attitude issues, a number of things that could have happened. But remember, I would like Rod Woodson to keep that same energy with Chris Dishman because this defense has not been good for Vegas. I know some guys have been banged up. They're getting some players back. But A.J. McCarron will tear this secondary apart if they don't get their footing under them. Think about Danucci in week three, what he did to this Vegas secondary. He was just launching balls up in the air at that point, knowing that his receivers were going to win the battle, regardless of where he threw it. McCarron has a chance to have his best game so far here. I think St. Louis has faced the toughest schedule up to this point so far. They have not played Vegas. They have not played Orlando. But this is a tough trap spot for them. Vipers are just hitting their stride. Now they believe they can win with another one under their belt. They could keep stacking wins. They can make this thing a race. Vegas has the capability to do so. I just don't know. I haven't seen enough from their defense yet. And that defense has Max Roberts banged up. He's probably the best athlete in that front seven. Rob Windsor also been dealing with injuries. So you got PETA, number zero in there in the pass rush. He got to make it happen. That St. Louis receiving core could definitely make the Vipers pay. 236 and two scores for A.J. McCarron against D.C. And it was our unanimous selection for first-team All-Pro quarterback was A.J. McCarron. I think that a lot of you would have arguments for Danucci, for Brandon Silvers. I go A.J. McCarron. I think he's been the best so far, even though the record hasn't reflected it. Got Akeem Butler, Darius Shepard, Austin Prohl, Stephen Mitchell, plus George Campbell even scored. So a lot of, a lot of weapons for him. I think Vegas, again, struggles defending the pass. I was very close on this one, Zook. I do think it's a little bit of a trap spot. I got St. Louis to win, but Vegas to cover here. Who are you going with on Saturday night? FX. Bounce back game for St. Louis. The Battle Hawks will be 4-2 and two at that point. And like I said, they have faced the toughest schedule, in my opinion, so far. Now, now Seattle has had it rough with five games in 25 days. Sure. But I think from an opponent perspective, being able to avoid Vegas and Orlando. I know it's something you talked about with D.C. They got uh, Vegas twice. Right. Houston got Orlando twice. St. Louis hasn't seen either of those, and they've still managed to go 3-2. and two, Right, so now they're going to see those teams coming down the stretch. That's why it's going to be so tough for St. Louis and Seattle in the north. You go in Battlehawks, do the Battlehawks cover the three? I don't think so. Okay. 
Oh, I mean, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Well, Zook with a late change of his best bet here. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. They, St. Louis covers. For as sure. long as Mikey doesn't pick St. Louis, I think we're safe. Who knows? And he's obviously going to take the Vegas Vipers. He was right last week. And, and let me just address something, Mike. You're going to say, oh, we didn't put you on man-to-man with Mikey Manziel because Vegas won. That was not the case. Okay? We had a programming note on our Twitter that we were going to do a special episode on Monday night. That was the Freshie Awards, and that was a big success. And Mike got to be on the Freshie Awards. He even got to present a few fun facts about players. So you will see man-to-man with Mikey Manziel Tuesday night. Remember, we got a Monday night football game. We're going to get to that one coming up after the break. That will push the show to Tuesday. Zook and I going Battle Hawks. Mikey Manziel going Vegas Vipers. Over-under in that one, 44-and-a-half. Could see some fireworks. So if you're enjoying us, drop a like. Subscribe to the channel. Please, we are independent, and we rely on you, the fans, to boost us up in that nasty YouTube algorithm. PS5 giveaway is live. Got the link in the description for you. Go four for four. Get an entry. Simple as that. Don't worry about spreads or totals. Just pick them straight up. And I teased it in the beginning. We have a special guest on tonight's show. Liam Ryan, number 63. Left tackle, left guard, center. He's played it all this year. Paved the way for the number one rushing attack in the game. And they don't get enough credit, so I decided to talk to Liam this week. Enjoy it. We'll be back on the boulevard to break down the other two games and give our best bets coming up next. He is the anchor of an offensive front that has paved the way for the number one rushing attack in the XFL, started all five games up front, and helped the D.C. defenders to a perfect start. Liam Ryan, thanks for joining us today, man. Yeah, I appreciate you for having me on. So getting a little bit into your background, first off, before we talk about your time in D.C. here, uh, obviously you were signed to the Seattle Seahawks, your buddy, Abe Lucas, who was a part of that draft class as well. I think he was a third round draft pick um, regarded as one of the best draft classes of the whole NFL in Seattle. Uh, what was that like for you guys to kind of both be on the same team there for a little bit and, and share that friendship to where you can create that memory of both, not only being at uh, Wazoo together, but then Seahawks. Yeah. You know, it's, pretty cool thing to have you know when you go into college with somebody um he was actually you're younger than me but um you know we ended up starting I think every single game same, same exact time I think I remember it was our first game we started was Wyoming and I mean me and him we both kind of were nervous because it was both our first starts because uh, we, we had a really good O-line class you know before us and um we had a lot of good guys we tried to try to get a bunch of O-linemen to come there and then, you know, eventually become, you know, like us and um, playing pro ball and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was really cool. I'm still really close with him and um, his family. And he, it's likewise the other way. And um, we still live together in Seattle. So we're, we're talking constantly. So it was pretty, pretty awesome to be around him for that time. And, um, you know, while, while I'm here for a little while, um, I mean, we still talk to each other on the daily. So, um yeah, we just look out for each other. Yeah, bright things in his future for sure, and I'm sure yours mm-hmm. as well. Uh, you guys were part of the first Washington State squad to win an Apple Cup in six years as a huge college football fan. I remember that mm-hmm. game, and not yeah. a lot of people expected you guys to run it up the way you did. That was a good game. What What are those memories like, sharing some of those with Abe, 
and at Washington State. And I guess that would have been that would have been your your last game there, correct? Yeah, that was our last game there. Um, we both ended up getting surgery after that game. I uh, played with a torn labrum in my hip the whole year. Um, not many people knew that. Um, so I played with a torn labrum my, my whole that whole season. And then that was pretty much the last game because I was kind of tapped out after that. I was in so much pain. Um, and then Abe ended up uh, opting out for that bowl, the, that bowl game as well, um, just getting ready for combine and all that stuff and um, senior bowl stuff. So, yeah, that was our last game together. It was, you know, something that we can cherish, you know, together forever um, because it, I think it was like nine years previously before the Apple Cup was brought back. So um, uh, we did it for a lot of people, you know, just – um, a lot of hard work with Coach Leach when he was there with us, and we were just never, never, never able to get over that hump uh, that last game. And then um, also, I mean, we also did it for our, uh, Nick Rolovich, our coach who got fired that year. Um, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny behind that, the whole vaccine and all that stuff. And um, a lot of our coaches got fired that year, and it was just it was tough on us. Uh, we went through kind of like a little bit of a funk, so. Uh, we had a lot of uh, fuel, um, and um, yeah, it was it was awesome. I mean, it's nothing. It's it's hard to even describe it now because uh, of all the stuff that we went through that year just to finally win the Apple Cup. I mean, it was it was a really cool feeling. Yeah, and you've certainly faced a ton of adversity. I think the Pac-12 obviously they did things differently during that COVID year. SEC played a full schedule. I think big, like conference schedule wise. I think you guys only had five yeah. games. So for you to we have that, six, yeah. And then tear your labrum schedule. in the full season. Yeah. It's like you can't yeah. catch a break, but at least you did get the Apple Cup. I'm sure that was a great way yeah. to go out. And speaking of Coach Leach, obviously you played in this offense that AJ Smith mm-hmm. now runs for the Houston Roughnecks. Uh, yep. Smith has referenced this many times. It, it's basically a copy, and and he learned from Leach, and and him and Leach were very connected as you two were. So, have you been in the the defensive meetings, uh, kind of showing the guys how this offense runs it all this week? Uh, no, I haven't really been in the defensive meetings. I mean, our defensive coach <laughs> Greg Williams is a freaking genius. Um, so I, I have no doubt that he'll have it all schemed up and all of that. Um, but no, yeah, just. It, it, we, I mean, even for Seattle, I, I mean, I'm always giving them tips and stuff because I ran the run and shoot when we played against Seattle, and um, that's what you know they're doing for the Sea Dragons. So, um, so I, I gave them you know little tips and um, tricks for you know at least for the D linemen because um, I can only tell them schematically based off of what the offensive line's probably going to do. Um, they're going to get, you know, a ton of pass pro in and they're going to get a lot of rushes. So, um, but now I, you know, being around Leach, um, you know, he taught me a lot of things. So, but I, I, no doubt about it. I think our defense will be ready and schemed up for them. And obviously good offensive linemen are few and far between in this league. It's hard to find five good ones to start in the NFL and you guys, mm-hmm. You slide in, you played left tackle in college, you slide in the left guard, and you go from an air raid to a rush, a, a rushing heavy offense now with Fred Kice, who, who likes to pound it. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, what have the main differences be in, in sliding inside, playing guard, and then 
mostly run blocking in this offense versus what you did before in college. Yeah, so I played left tackle in college for, I think, around 30-something games. My first start was actually at left guard, where I'm at now. Um, and then when I was with the Seahawks, they're a mid-zone team. They run the crap out of the ball, too. So I learned a lot while at my time was there. Um, I learned a lot of run-blocking techniques and, you know, tips and um, tricks from them. And um, and I also played center there at, in Seattle as well. And so uh, I think I had, we, I had to play a game at center. Uh, I think it was our first St. Louis game that I played center. Um, both of our other centers went down. They're back now. Uh, I just I feel a lot I feel comfortable at you know guard or center wherever that that may be. But yeah, it's been it's been kind of a ride so far. You know, I've, I think I've taken three thousand snaps in college, and the majority of them have been pass pro. Um, so it's kind of nice, you know, switching it up and showing that I can run block a little bit. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to talk about some of the injuries. Obviously, Mike goes down week one right off the bat. You lose yeah. your center. Then Cody, week two, first drive. He's down. Yeah. Ty Clary goes in. He gets hurt. Yeah. And there's only there's only like 10 guys in this room, I think. And and you lose three like that. Obviously, you and, and Liam Fornadel have been banged up. Um, yep. how, how are you guys doing this with, with all these injuries and, and being so shorthanded to begin with, with the amount of linemen that are allowed to be on this team, how, how are you guys pulling together? Are you just playing through pain or is this just something that you figured out like a good five at this point and people are getting healthier as the season goes on? Yeah. You know, we've kind of had to have a bunch of guys play different positions that they're not used to. Um, and we've all, we, I mean, we have. I think a backup for both tackles um, and, you know, both the, both the backups are now the starters now just because of how the, how the chips have fallen. Um, I mean, guys have gotten injured. You don't wish that upon anybody, but you know, it's kind of a next man up mentality. Um, and we've kind of created that in the room um, that, you know, if somebody goes down, we have to be able to trust the next guy who's going to be able to come up. And that's, I think, in all pro sports, I think you have to be ready for the next guy to come up and be good at doing their job. And um, you have to have trust in them. I think trust is a big thing that we have in our room. And, um, you know, if you don't know your plays, you're probably not going to play. So, um, yeah, trusting each other, each other and it starts in practice. So, um, we got we kind of got a rotation going. It was kind of a struggle with uh, Mike and um, Ty being down, and then Cody went to IR. So uh, it was just you know it was, it was a struggle for a while. And then uh, once we got those bodies back, it was it was a lot better. We got you know got to get in the groove of things with you know the O line that kind of started off everything. So um, it's it's nice to be able to practice with guys you're going to play next to, um, you know on the game on game days. So um, that's what I think practice is huge. So I think that's where it all comes into play is, you know, also taking the right amount of reps in practice. So then you're not, you don't feel banged up for the games. Right. You kind of touched on it. it is part of a championship culture for that next man up. No championship team has ever folded when the backups had to come in. So I think I kind of identified that from week one or two, with all these guys being hurt, a lot of people were saying, oh, well, they're not just going to be able to run the ball at all. Well, that was not the case. They 
You guys mm-hmm. have improved each week with running. Abram goes off for 218 and three touchdowns last week. Yeah. So it, it's been awesome to watch. Now, um, I did want to touch on quickly. You were listed on the injury report this week with a knee. Uh, are you feeling good this week for Monday? And, and how, what's your status like going forward? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, I'm, I'm always ready to play. Um, I think throughout the whole season, you'll probably see a lot of people on that list who are just banged up. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's just part of football. You got to be able to lift each week to stay healthy, I think, and make sure you just keep eating right. And um, I kind of have like a routine throughout the, each week. And I think t- today was our one of our, our padded practices. So it was a little bit harder. Um, so, you know, reps might have been down a little bit. But, yeah, we're I mean, it just depends how each guy is kind of feeling. Um, our coaches have us rotating and all that stuff just to keep our bodies fresh and then, uh, as the weeks go on or as the week goes on, um, practices get a little bit easier and you've watched a lot more films. So it should be um, more kind of walk through tempo and all that and just fitting up. And I think that's where it's more mental reps and that's where you're not taxing your body as much. But, yeah, I'm, do- I'm doing well. Um, I'm healthy and feeling good, just ready to roll this week. Got to, got to play a good Houston team. So. Yeah, it's definitely been a grind, obviously. No bye weeks. You're, you're, you're 10 weeks straight, plus you guys had the training camp. You have a ton of plane rides. You're back and forth from Arlington to D.C. You were in St. Louis, all over the place. So it really is a grind here for 10 weeks. Um, speaking on yeah. Houston, they have a really, really tough rush defense. They haven't allowed 100 yards to any team rushing in their five games this season. What do you see on film from that Phillips 3-4 and what Brian Stewart runs there and how they stop the run? Yeah, you know, I think they have a, a plethora of D-line in that play. Um, you know, you see a lot of guys. I think it was number 89 is a really, really good pass rusher. Um, I think there was another guy that Liam Ford now went to school with, uh, number 45, I think, is his numbers. I don't know too many names. I just remember numbers and the way I'm looking at scheme stuff. And then both their linebackers are really good, really quick. Um, they like to fly around. Um, but, I mean... That's been, you know, our, our game, you know, we just got to stick to our game plan and um, what we're used to and uh, kind of go back. And we've been preaching about chopping wood all week, just keep going back and chopping wood and doing what we're, what we're used to do. Cause I mean, last week we, we really showed it, I think. And I think that's what our standard is now is, uh, you know, being able to run the ball and open things up. So, uh, but no, they have a really good defense and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because I, St. Louis had a really good defense, I thought, and um, so did Vegas. And, I mean, we got to play them twice in four weeks, all of them twice in four weeks, which is pretty pretty crazy because you kind of get to uh, get used to them. And um, now it's a new team, and it's it'll be a, a little bit more of a challenge because um, we haven't played against them. This is, you know, I think, our first, you know, non-conference game. So, um, but, you know, been able to watch them on some of the times that we've had Sunday games and they've had Saturday games and they're electric too. So um, it should be a good, fun battle out there on, the, on, on Monday. Well, I can tell you all 22 guys on the field in this one, plus the sidelines coaches, everybody in the booth is going to be expecting to see each other again in the championship because you guys expect the championship mentality. Houston's the same way. Uh, I think they were a little shocked losing to Seattle. Seemed like they, we're kind of caught off guard. And I wanted to ask you about the scheduling in this league. Obviously you guys haven't had a Thursday game yet. 
Um, Ben DiNucci, Seattle quarterback, talked about a little bit having, I think it was what, five games in 25 days. Um, mm-hmm. A few teams have, have played that Thursday game. Houston's now coming off the other end of it, right? So they played Thursday night, came back to Arlington, and they had those extra couple of days. Does that benefit at all, you think, in the schedule that you guys have? Because everyone's kind of running a similar schedule other than like one team practices in the morning, one team practices in the afternoon. But does that yeah. benefit Houston at all to be able to get that extra rest? Um, yeah, I would say so. I just think it just depends, you know, on how you utilize your rest days. Um, are you just going to sit around and eat a bunch of food? Or are you going to go and get some active recovery? And I think it just depends on what you do that those days. Um, but I, I mean, with Seattle's schedule, I thought, you know, they definitely had a tough schedule the first couple of weeks. They were playing a lot of games and, uh, and had to, you know, cram it all into a couple of weeks, um, you know, and I mean, even this week we play Monday and then we got to play, you know, the next week we got to play Saturday versus Orlando. Um, so I think it's, I think it's a mentality thing. I think you just got to go into it, um, preparing the best as you can, your body's going to feel the, the way it feels. You just got to do as much as you can to prepare it for that week. Um, but as weeks goes weeks go on, you definitely do feel it. It takes a toll because there is no bye weeks in here, and um, and each team, you know, expects to get to the championship. So you know, you're expecting 12 games the whole season. So um, yeah, it's 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 tough. It's the scheduling's tough, and I mean, we played. I think it was Vegas week two, St. Louis week three, Vegas week four, and then um, St. Louis week five, and. Um, so you're playing two teams that you kind of know back to back to back to back. Yeah, you get those games out of the way, but now we have all these uh, game teams that we haven't even seen on film on the latter half of the, the season. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. But, um, yeah, the scheduling is a little bit different uh, from a normal, you know, fo- football schedule. You're not going to normally play teams twice unless you're in the NFL, and they usually break those up, uh, I think, pretty pretty well. So yeah, it's a, it was it was a big big change up for me at least playing a team back to back weeks. Um, that was that was definitely a change up, but it's football at the end of the day. You got to go out and play. So right, I was going to ask about. I, I talked to somebody from Orlando a few weeks ago, and and they played at Arlington. He said that felt more like a home game for us, being ten minutes away from the stadium. It seems a little different at Audi Field with with the atmosphere that they've created. Uh, what's it like playing there? Do you feel like when you're playing there, you're playing a home game, even though you're not based in DC, have they created that atmosphere to welcome you guys in and make you feel like you got a serious home field advantage? You guys haven't lost there yet. Yeah. You know, I think even with St. Louis, they got a great fan base too. I got to credit them. Um, I enjoy those hostile environments, you know, having to rise up, you know, having to beat, you know, the other team and their fan base, because I think home field advantage is a, is a huge thing. Um, I think we're just, you know, we're very fortunate to have a great fan base out there. Um, and, you know, even when I was with the Seahawks, like they have an incredible fan base. And um, that's one thing that you can always count on is, uh, yeah, you may be down in the game, but the, the fans are always going to stay in the game. And they're going to keep you right in there because, you know, it's, it takes one penalty to, you know, screw up somebody's momentum, um, whether it could be a false start penalty from them being too loud or, um, you know, just 
I think they threw lemons on the field. Uh, they're they're pretty rowdy, you know, group and started a beer snake and raged about the beer snake being taken away. And it's just a it's a it was a really really fun atmosphere the first couple games. Um, I'm excited to see what it's like on Monday. Um, you know, both teams, you know, going in there really really good. It was electric when we played St. Louis and we were both two and zero. So uh, yeah, I'm, I think. Our fan base is, you know, one of the best in the XFL, for sure. Yeah, definitely that D.C.-St. Louis rivalry has been huge. Obviously, you guys sweep St. Louis. You have some guys, I think at least one guy coming back off a suspension from the brawl that happened after the game. So it'll be good to get everyone back. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you you suspend a guy for two games during a 10-game season. I get it. You got to have discipline. But I think, you know, things were a little harsh there. But now you got everybody back. You got a full team. Uh, Everybody's getting healthier heading into this Houston game. It should be a good one. Um, I got to ask you last question here, your short-term and long-term goals coming into the season. Uh, have those changed at all? And how close are you to achieving some of them, whether they're personal goals or team goals? Do you feel like you're on a good track here to kind of check all the boxes that you came into Arlington with? Yeah. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations coming into here. I was just grateful to play football again. Um, you know, my last game that I actually played was in Arlington. Uh, I played it with Seattle, the last preseason game. Um, of course, I signed in the practice squad with them, but it was in Arlington and um, got to play, you know, against the Cowboys and stuff. And um, it was kind of funny how I ended just ended up back here. And I think God does things in mysterious ways. So I ended up back here and I didn't really have too many high expectations. You know, I'm just a really, really fierce competitor. I like to win. Um, and I'll do anything to win. And I'll, you know, I'm a big team player. And um, I think any coach that you know has coached me knows that. And um, whatever you want me to play, I'll play it. And that's kind of how my mentality has always been. Um, sacrifice myself for the team and for the betterment of the team. And I, I, I honestly just like winning because it's a lot more enjoyable to be around um, the game, around people when you're winning. And so... That's what I look forward to each week is getting the best competition from whoever I'm lined up across and, um, you know, trying to out-tough them and um, get the W at the end of the day, no matter how, you know, how perfect it can be or how ugly it can be. Um, I'm just enjoying enjoying the ride for right now and trying to be where my feet are at. I'm trying not to look too far ahead um, because, you know, I think when when I've looked too far ahead um, in the past, you know, my mind's kind of been all over the place. So I've kind of just been taught to uh, stay grounded in my faith and just be where my feet are at and give full effort, full, full effort and, you know, give all my presence um, to where I'm at. So, yeah, it's just, it's been a ride. It's been a heck of a ride so far. I haven't, I haven't really expected this, um, you know, didn't think we were going to be five and oh, um, just from, you know, our training camp and stuff. And, um, and then once we started rolling, it was it was a different different thing. I just had a different it's a different feeling in the locker room now. Guys are really confident and just ready to play fast. So um, it's it's fun to be around. Fun to be around for sure. Yeah, and you guys absolutely deserve the credit. Like I said, no matter what skill position players you put around, you got Jordan and Derek at quarterback. You got Abram and Rykel at running back. A, a plethora of great receivers no matter who it is, they've been able to be successful because it starts and ends up front. And I don't think you guys get enough credit as an offensive line. That's credit too to coach Russ 
Um, I know he's uh he's instrumental in all this, but yeah, five and zero, oh, man. Uh, good luck, Audi Field, Houston. I'm sure the beer snake will be raging. It it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm a DC fan. I'm not gonna lie. It doesn't matter what night it is. You could put it on a Wednesday night. That thing is going to feel like a frat basement in College Park, Maryland with that Section 137. <laughs> Those kids are fired yeah. up. They, it doesn't matter what night it is. It's been a great fan base. Great to watch you guys. Liam, thank you for joining the show. Appreciate that. And like I said, good luck Monday night against Houston, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Wow. Liam Ryan, for the love of football, some of the stories he told us. We talked about him at Washington State. 2020, they only play like five or six games. 2021, he suffers that injury, plays through it. They win the Apple Cup. And now a anchor of that offensive line on the D.C. defenders. Certainly a guy you're going to see back in the NFL soon enough. Again, he talked about his time with the Seahawks and some of his teammates. Going to be great to see Liam's journey and all of the D.C. defenders offensive linemen. Thank you, Liam, for joining us on another great episode of Spring Ball Series. And we have a couple more games to get to on the boulevard tonight. We want to make sure you go four for four in that PS5 pick them. So we got to get two more picks to you here. The sequel, a Sunday sequel, XFL HQ in Arlington. Not going to lie, guys, I was pretty upset that I missed the opportunity to hop on this under last week. For me, the best bet in week five was between the Seattle Houston over and the Arlington San Antonio under. I gave the slight edge to that Houston-Seattle over, and they absolutely crushed me. Houston didn't score for 58 minutes. It was a bloodbath of a bet. Meanwhile, the under sailed, and of course it did, because Mikey Manziel had the over. So what do we know about this one? Well, the total's 33. <laughs> I mean, you lost any value you would have had last week. We did have that in Piper's Parlay, by the way. That cashed. Uh, just 261 passing yards combined in this matchup last week. Remember, came in the the two worst offenses statistically in the entire XFL. But the story for San Antonio's offense last week, you see him on the screen there, Reed Sinet finally got the start after four weeks of miserable offense in San Antonio. They demote Jamie Elizondo to wide receivers coach, bring in Jimmy Johnson. 13 of 19 for 97 yards for Sinet, a touchdown and a pick. That was the stat line, but that wasn't the whole story. A nice pick by Teddy Adewusi. Set up a nice drive for San Antonio. Remember, this is a team that scores first a lot. I remember them scoring first against Houston. They just seemed to come out firing. They did yet again. Picked off Kyle Sloter, went up 6-0 early in the first quarter. But Sinet struggled a bit in the second and third. Um, he floated one short. You saw it earlier to Dion Yelder in the end zone. It was picked off by Joe Powell. Arlington ended up stringing together like a 14-play, 99-yard drive. Uh, to go ahead and take the lead. And, and that kind of deflated any hopes for a San Antonio win. And even worse, on that same interception, Sinet limped off. And reports emerged after the game by Greg Luca of the San Antonio Express News that Sinet suffered a broken foot. Uh, just, just a heart-wrenching blow for the Brahmas and the entire league. I can't imagine how Reed feels about this. If you watch Player 54, the docuseries, you know how supportive of a teammate he has been to Jack Cohn and the other players on that roster. They interviewed him on the sideline in-game a few times, and just a great guy, Reed Sinet, and it really sucks for his whole season to be derailed by injury just three quarters into his first start. We really wish Reed Sinet the best going forward and hope he makes a speedy recovery there, and this is 
This was Jack Cohn's absolute last chance when he was thrown in. He did not deliver. Uh, so San Antonio went and picked up Kurt Banker. Used to back up Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Played a little bit of practice squad ball. Was with Atlanta. Was with Green Bay. Most recently, I think, San Francisco. Banker with a great following on social media. Always a fan favorite guy. Um, did a little thing on his TikTok where he used to throw balls at fans and see if they could catch him. Uh, that's a teaser for something we're going to have to do with Mikey Manziel. How, how fast can he catch a ball from Kurt Banker? And Kurt can sling it. He was actually invited to the NFL Combine to throw passes to the, the draft class members. So really cool to see that. I remember Houston wanted him to start the year. Kurt said he didn't want to pick up and move his family to Texas after going through the grind of an entire NFL season. Well, a little bit of a change of heart for Bankert now. Seems like he's got his affairs in order. Houston trades him to San Antonio for Drew Lewis. So they already have two quarterbacks. They Houston loads up, gets another linebacker out of the situation. Kurt Bankert. Probably not going to start this week. I'm assuming they'll go Jack Cohn with Jawan passes the backup a little too early for him to get action right away. But I would I would assume Kurt Bankert's going to get the go down the stretch here. So crucial game for San Antonio. If they could pull this one out, give the keys to Bankert, maybe they make a little run here. Um, some more stuff about the San Antonio offense against the Arlington defense. Uh, Arlington three picks last week. They are tied for second in the league in takeaways, 12 in that category. And it's really been their offense that's just been struggling for them, as has San Antonio, seventh in each category. It's a little bit worse for Arlington. And they have made some personnel moves to try to fix it this week and some good ones. Jordan Smallwood out. Vic Bolden is in. And if you guys watch spring football, you know Vic Bolden, remember, over in Birmingham, he was balling out. He had MVP of the championship game for his winning stallions. Great team they were, catching balls from Jamar Smith out of Meridian, Mississippi. Yeah, Vic Bolton's the real deal, guys, and, and he's going to be a good addition here. Uh, they also moved Kenneth Farrow, the running back, who was showing some spark to the IR. Went and picked up Brian Harrion, former Georgia tailback. Remember, he was with D.C. in training camp, so didn't make it through final cuts there. Harrion getting a second chance with the Renegades. Um, they've gone through some running backs, guys. Keith Ford was cut. Adrian Killens was cut. Kenneth Farrow now to the IR. It's just been kind of a musical chairs in that backfield. And, and Davion Smith really hasn't been able to do much of anything. I feel like every time I look at his stats, he's in like the two to three yards per carry range. And I'm not so sure it's his fault. Um, Sloter, just 14 of 26 for 148 yards and a pick in this first matchup. Sal Canella, though, continues to be the silver lining, leading the team in receiving. Um, I think you can really only go up if you're this offense, right? Trending up in the pass department, but... The run game has just been miserable, and they've only scored five offensive touchdowns on the entire season. So they've decided to stick with Sloter. I think the chemistry is working with Canella. Just got to start generating some sort of run game. Again, we're seeing the teams that can run the ball uh, be successful in this league. And Reed Sinet coming out, Zook, is just a huge blow to San Antonio. We talked about it, the former Philadelphia Eagle. Huge for them to go out and get Kurt Bankert, obviously, on just two days. He's not going to be ready to go right away. So Jack Cohn, I mean, I did say it was his absolute last chance when he came in for Sinet. This is it for Cohn. Like, if he doesn't perform in this game, you may as well just cut him from the team. Cohn has got chance after chance in this offense. He's worked with two different offensive coordinators. He got TJ Vasher back now, so that can't be an excuse. That's the top receiver there. 
Jalen Tolliver was let go, which I think is something they did to, to make an addition for Kurt Bankard on the roster. So I thought Tolliver played pretty well this season. That was an interesting move, but they do. They got some good threats. Like I said, Vasher, Fred Brown, Alizé Mack. So can Jack Cohn get them the ball? He doesn't give me any faith. I'm going with the Arlington Renegades for the second straight time. Uh, again, I, I picked these games pretty heavily based on my power rankings now versus power rankings that I had in the preseason. Again, in the preseason, I thought Arlington was much better than what they were. They could still end up there, but a long way to go for the Renegades. I just think they sweep San Antonio here. I, I know that defense has been good for the Brahmas, but they just they haven't given me any hope on offense. Look, and you, you think they're making some adjustments down there in uh, Alamo land, huh? Yeah, I'm taking San Antonio. I'm not sure why. Um, See, the, the, the computer wanted to disagree. That's what, why. What did I tell you? It's Bold a, call here, Zook. You've been, you've been doing a, good on your straight picks. It's a gut feeling, and I always trust this gut. <laughs> so. <laughs> you and Mike with the guts. I got to catch up here. Got to drink some more beer snakes. Yeah, Zook going with the San Antonio Brahmas, putting his faith in Moan for Cone. Mikey Manziel finally hopping off the train, I think. I think a couple weeks in a row, he just put his faith in San Antonio. He disgustingly had the over last week. It came 22 points. I mean, 33, Zook, over, under, blind shot. What are you taking? I have to think the under here again. I'm still taking the under. Yeah. I mean. You lose value, but still, I mean. Neither of these offenses have proved they can score the ball. The only thing I worry about is a defensive score, which if you remember back to week two. Sure. I had the under for San Antonio. What happened? They blocked the punt. So stupid things like that can happen, and you end up cashing the over. But I would, I mean, you're sick if you play this game. I would still take the under. There's so many better spots in the card, guys. Just forget this one altogether, as we did for our best bets this week. Go to the XFL North. Much better value. And the one that we've all been waiting for here on the Boulevard, a preview of the XFL Championship game in Audi Field, the first ever edition of Monday Night Football for the XFL. I was campaigning all year. Get the Mannings out here. This is on ESPN2 where they're normally home during the NFL season. Can you imagine a Manning cast in the XFL with the access that that provides? Quarterback to coach communication, open mics, throw Peyton and Eli in there. We got to have it. Zook will tell you, there's never enough production that can be done. That's what we try here for Spring Ball Boulevard. We don't want to overproduce, but there's always little wrinkles that can get added in. I think the XFL has done a great job at their production this year. You throw the Mannings on there. Listen, they're not too good for it. They're good friends with The Rock. All right, that's their buddy DJ. So we want to see this going forward. This is going to be electric on Monday night. Under the lights, the DC Defenders 6-0 and dating back to XFL 2020. I told all of you a few weeks ago, especially you people that were burying me in the replies, oh, bias, Homer, how dare you put DC above Houston? I was really hoping that it could be settled on the field between two 5-0 and teams, and I said that before on the show. But Houston laid a goose egg against Seattle, and now they're off the extra rest. Wanted to point this out for a second. Remember, Seattle has played two Thursday games. That was Houston's first Thursday game on short rest. Ben DiNucci talked about it in his press conference, the Sunday-Thursday. A big reason we picked Seattle to beat Houston in this game you're seeing last Thursday was because they went through that flip already. Now, the Houston Roughnecks benefit on the back end. 
because they were into Arlington early Friday morning. They get two days of full rest before the D.C. defenders even got to play in St. Louis on Saturday night. So obviously we asked Liam Ryan about that. He said, yeah, it depends how you use that period, right? You got to use it the right way. Take advantage of that rest. Can't just sit around and eat a bunch of food, as he said. But I, I think this will benefit the Roughnecks here from a scheduling perspective. Um, D.C. has been all over the place as far as their travel. So one thing that Houston won't be able to fix, I don't care how much rest they have, is replacing John Trey Kirkland. Report surfacing Kirkland will miss the rest of the XFL season with a chest injury. Again, we, we've been pretty clean with these injuries all year. I mean, guys have been banged up, but for the most part, the league stars have been able to stay intact. And, and you know, we talked about Reed Sinette and that tough injury. With John Trey Kirkland going out, this is a huge blow. I am so sorry for John Trey. I hate to see this. 15 catches, 253 yards, four scores through five games. What a treat to watch. And nobody's going to top his passer rating. Remember, John Trey, one for one, 49 yards, and a touchdown on that double forward pass they dedicated to Mike Leach in Orlando. John Trey Kirkland, big things coming in his future. Get well soon. Um, So where do the next turn in that air raid without their wide receiver one? Well, they hit the waiver wire, and they came out swinging. What a pickup here. Just in the NFL 12 days ago, a man by the name of Ja'Carri Robinson, Roberson, former Wake Forest Demon Deacon star, 2,000 yards in his two seasons starting down in Winston-Salem. He went for 926 his sophomore year, pushed it over 1,000 his uh, junior year of college, and then eight touchdowns to account for each year. Uh, some of you remember that game. I was looking through Roberson's film because – Again, th- these guys, it's like so hard to keep track of their careers. They go from college, you know, they're in the league, they're on the practice squads, they get bounced around. But I really try to hone in on college film when these guys get picked up. And one game I did remember, uh, the Wake Forest-North Carolina game back in 2020. What an electric game that was in the ACC. The Tar Heels won 59-55. to Roberson went 12 for 167 in two scores. Absolute thriller of a game. He's going to be a breakout star in this Houston offense going forward. That was a huge pickup. Um, But as far as this week in D.C., he's not really going to be available. So you're going to need one of these guys to step up, whether it's Justin Smith, Travel Harris, Deontay Burnett. They've all shown their flashes. A great wide receiver core in Houston. Back in week two, I said these were the best receivers in the league. Without Kirkland, I think you probably move Seattle up into that category. St. Louis would have an argument as well, but... Still a loaded core here for A.J. Smith. And, and let's be honest, Brandon Silvers is going to throw at least one pick. This is what D.C. has done all year. You saw Michael Joseph with his four picks. Guys like Dewan Neal, Santos Ramirez getting involved. Kentrell Bryce. We saw uh, the new addition make a pick this week, uh, the safety. So this Greg Williams defense is always going to create takeaways. This is what they're all about and what they have been all about all season. So go ahead and watch out for number 15 in red. He is a ball magnet out there. And Piper was excited for her parlay hook, so we did want to acknowledge, yes, we do have a live mascot here on Spring Ball Boulevard. No, we will not stop and cut that out. This is part of it. Piper's parlay will be coming as we get past the break here. All right, Piper, is it good? Okay, good for her. All right, so as I was saying, Michael Joseph, looking at that D.C. offense, we obviously have to take a look at how Houston has stacked up against the run game. Well, it's been pretty damn good, as we talked to Liam Ryan about. Uh, Credit Brian Stewart coordinating that Phillips 3-4. He was a nominee for our No Respect Award 
a guy who just hasn't got the credit. Obviously, Wade Phillips was the um, big pusher behind this whole defense, but Brian Stewart's been great as well. Um, I think it's a safe bet, though, even though Houston hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher all season. Pretty safe bet that D.C. is going to go over 100 yards anyway. In fact, I'll go as far as to say Abram Smith is going to end up doing that on his own, over 100 yards rushing. Rykel Armstead back in practice with a calf injury. That held him out last week. That's going to be huge for that running back room. And listen, we talked about uh, to Liam Ryan, that D.C. line not getting enough credit. Even through the injuries, week in, week out, D.C. using the run again. And they're going to end up being the pick for me here, Zook, as they are every single week. I just think too much Abram Smith, too much physicality up front. We, we talked to Liam Ryan about Tim Ward and, and some of the guys on the defensive side for Houston that he thought would star. And I assume you're going against me here because every week you've been reluctant to pick the D.C. defenders. So what do you do? You go Houston Roughnecks, your squad. You're a closet Roughnecks fan. I'm I am it out not there. <laughs> a closet Roughnecks fan. They're not in your division. I'm just saying. They've won me a few dollars here and there. You know, so... I think um, same thing. Bounce back week. Yeah. Some extra rest, too, as we talked about. Extra rest. I trust in Wade Phillips to get this done. Uh, I think their rushing attack this week is going to surprise you. Absolutely. Well, we'll see. Max Borgi has been a stud. That D.C. run defense do the best to hold their own. Monday Night Lights, who is Mikey Manziel going with here? Damn it. I have no thoughts on that one. And that's why we're going to win. Well, I was, I was hoping it wouldn't be D.C. across the board because that'd be trouble. But, again, I guess we'll see you on Victory Tuesday this time. Won't be a Victory Monday. We've been getting used to those. But uh, Tuesday night will be. Siri doesn't one. know what that is. That's true. I have to reprogram my calendar. The AI hasn't picked up on the Victory Tuesday yet. So our Boulevard Bowl Tour is still on a hiatus. Just wanted to mention that quickly. Uh, we were supposed to hit the road again week seven. Um, but as you saw, XFL moved a couple of games around. I don't know whose idea it was, Zook. The XFL actually scheduled a Saturday night game in Houston, probably not realizing that the Final Four is also in Houston that same night. So I didn't understand at first maybe why they pushed it back. This is why. Final Four in Houston, you have the Houston Cougars, a one seed, could end up playing. So a potentially huge sports weekend in H-Town, Week 7. That's the first weekend of April. You could have Houston in the Final Four Saturday night. You could have the Roughnecks Sunday and then the National Championship game in the city Monday. So that's a huge weekend. Of course, we're going to get to Houston. We pushed our trip back. Um, We'll tell you when. But we'll be back on the road week eight. So taking a little hiatus. I'm getting a little extra more sleep. Um, Moving on to our best bets here. I kind of teased at it before. I am laying the nine and a half with Seattle. I just think Orlando's pass defense is in complete shambles. I saw what Ben DiNucci's been able to do against bad secondaries, and he just carves them up. I am a little concerned about Quentin Dormady and, and him showing out. That scared me. I think Paxton Lynch would make me more comfortable in this spot. Quentin Dormady's been that spark. Played really well against Vegas. Only three incompletions. Used Cody Latimer to his advantage. Morgan Ellison is out, so not much of a run game for the Seattle Sea Dragons. Nine and a half is stout. You know why I'm going Seattle? I'll go right back to it, Zook. Thursday night game. Extra rest. Orlando fought till the very end, gave everything they had on Saturday night, put it all out there, 
then you got to take a demoralizing loss like that. You fly back into Arlington and you're already now at a three day disadvantage from the dragons who had the exact opposite. They got another win. Right. Right. I think dragons by two or three scores here. Terrible spot for Orlando. The weather in the, in the nineties for this one. So hopefully the Seattle guys are, uh, they dial up some cramp nine one one and they won't cramp up like Zook does sometimes here. <laughs> I'm going with DC minus two and a half. That is chalk every week for me. Five and zero oh against the spread. Why would I? I mean, I could have taken the, I could have taken the money line minus one forty on there, but I'll I'll lay the two and a half with DC. Zook, who you got? I got say another Lewis. favorite, huh? Oh come on now. Well, you know the favorites. I, I have to put this stat together. I think I did it a couple of weeks ago, and the favorites were covering at a pretty decent clip. I think it was like 58 percent. Right. I like St. Louis minus three. I think this is a no-brain bet. Really? And that's why this is my best bet. Okay. Because it's a no-brainer. I mean, take the points, collect the cash. So you're still in that mode where you don't necessarily, you're not going to reward a team for what they do against Orlando. Because Vegas looked pretty solid in that game. Like, Luis Perez was coming on. Yeah, I'm going to take the cash. On, uh, okay. on what, Tuesday show? Yeah. There'll be a money bag right there. You know. Well, you don't want to fall to 500 here. So I know. Come on, Zook. And of wow. course, somebody had to fade you because he wasn't fading me this week, right? Not enough guts to take Orlando <laughs> plus nine and a half. Mikey Manziel. You know, he actually had the nerve to text me his best bet. Guess what it was? I- I'll put it out there. It was DC. Oh, boy. he actually thought he was going to bet DC. Have I been betting DC since before the season started? I have a future, full disclosure, plus 650. DraftKings offering me a big cash out. I will not take it. I got that at plus 650. I told you all the ride before the season. I'm going to have a very good shot at this. But it'll be a pretty big payout. And Mikey Manziel had the nerve to text me. I'm going to bet DC this week. You should probably knock on wood because they ain't getting through Seattle, baby. There is no amount that Mike could pay me in order to bet DC on this show. So his secondary option, Vegas plus three. He's going to go ahead and fade Zook there. Those are our Boulevard best bets. Again, the record of Mikey Manziel does not reflect the record of Spring Ball Boulevard. We are 10 of 15 as a show. Pretty solid start. Looking to improve on that. Well, that is Spring Ball Boulevard. Again, in the midst of March Madness here. And how could I forget this? You know why? You did it again. She, well, here's why. What is she wrong threw me with off. you? She, she even reminded me. She did. And I still forgot. <sighs> Live television. Good thing you have a producer. Live television, let me tell you. Piper's Parlay, plus three. All money lines this week, huh? She won last week, plus 830? Plus 830 or something Is that what in it that was? range. It was definitely over eight to one. Won the Boulevard Boys some cash. And, and, and Piper going with the favorites here, pretty much all chalk. I like it. I mean, she heard our advice. Stay away from the totals. The numbers don't lie. Many of you who are betting on totals are not doing well. I know I'm not, so I'm cutting it out the rest of the season. In fact, I'm giving up totals for Lent. Uh, Piper, <laughs> Piper going with three money lines here. St. Louis, Arlington, D.C. Two home teams and a road squad. If she cashes again, I'm not. What are we going to buy? Two her? of five, right? Where are we going to buy her? Something huge. Well, let her tell us because she's been very vocal during the show tonight. True. So maybe that was a hint. So for Mikey Manziel, who will see you on Tuesday night for Man to Man, Chris Zook in the control room. I am Matty Fresh. Guys, enjoy XFL Week 6. Going to be a great weekend of games yet again. Possibly the best game of the season in store for Monday night. D.C. against Houston. Remember, it's Sweet 16. It's Elite 8. 
but there is no such thing as football season. We will see you Tuesday night back on the boulevard. Good night, guys.